0: For the past two decades, Ian Hirsi Ali has been an advocate for Muslim women, a champion of human rights, and until recently an outspoken new atheist. Late last year, she revealed that she has experienced another conversion and wrote about it in an article, Why I'm Now a Christian. And we're talking about Ali's conversion and the power of the gospel, the miracle of the new birth this morning with Abdu Murray. Abdu Murray is a former Muslim who walked away from his faith when he found truth, hope, and meaning in the Bible. And he's the founder and president of Embrace the Truth Ministries, where he shines the light to topics pertaining to the credibility of Christianity in the face of hundreds of different religions. And good morning, Abdu. Good morning,
1: Seth and Deb. Thanks for having me on. It is an
2: absolute honor and a pleasure to talk to you, especially in this uh, this time that we're in right now where there seems to be so much focus on uh, on the Muslim faith and, and how it's... You know, conflicting with Christianity, there just seems to be so much turmoil. It's wonderful to to talk to you and hear about how you know God is moving in all of this.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, it's um, it is uh, uh, an interesting time to be alive. I want to say exciting, but that that sounds always positive. There's a lot of challenges, but I also right. see lots and lots of hope and opportunity. And Ayan Hersi Ali's um, uh, conversion is one example of I think shining lights that come through darkness, uh, given her her atheism that was born out of her rejection of Islam from having an arranged marriage and all the, the, the stuff she saw bad about Islam, um, she saw uh, positive in sort of secular liberalism. But ultimately, as we know from her story, um, mm-hmm. she saw that even that doesn't have really the bulwark against darkness and against mm-hmm. despair that the Christian faith actually has. So yes, it is an exciting time, especially with all the turmoil it has got its challenges. But my goodness, I'm optimistic, and maybe I'm a little too optimistic, but I think the hope of the gospel is the kind of thing that we can sink our teeth into and we need to spread right now. Oh,
0: absolutely. That is so true, Abdu, because we think about those that we loved, that has fallen tra- in, entrapped with this mm-hmm. philosophy that mm. somehow uh, if their their world is going to be okay— on their own, yeah. without the need of God in their life. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they they don't even realize the hunger they have inside of them. They think the secular philosophy is going to completely fulfill what they need, and that that's the yeah. answer. So, you know, for those of us who have loved ones that are walking that journey, what do you suggest we as Christians do to reach out? What are some things that we can bridge that gap and just— Uh, show them Christ, reveal to them the truth of the gospel?
1: Yeah, absolutely. What a great question. And um, I think that uh, that one of the key ways to actually say something is to say nothing at first, which is just to listen. Mm. Because, you know, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6, and this really is the hallmark of our ministry. We're an apologetics ministry, which defends the, the credibility of the gospel, but we do it in a way that answers people, not questions. I'm not really interested in answering questions. I am interested in answering people, uh, because questions don't need answers, but people do, and they use their questions to get them. So oftentimes what we can do to spread the gospel is to listen to the questions someone's actually asking. And in Colossians 4, what you see is the Apostle Paul telling us to, to walk in wisdom toward outsiders and making mm-hmm. the best use of the time. And what he means by that is listen to what they're actually saying. Not the thing you want them to say that you're prepared to answer, but the thing they actually are saying, because everyone's reasons for staying away from God are as individual as the number of people there are. There are 8 billion reasons uh, that people have. None of them are, I think, compelling, but there's 8 billion personal reasons people have for staying away from God or not embracing mm-hmm. the gospel message. And if we listen, Then Paul says, let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person or everyone, depending on the translation. And it's interesting that he ends that way, answer everyone or every person. So we need to tailor our responses to the needs and the felt expressions of each person. There is a tremendous blessing in just hearing a person. Someone feels loved, respected, and heard. Now that may require you to exercise incredible patience, uh, while you're hearing things that must be responded to, or things that don't seem to make any sense, or whatever it might be, but once you've heard, now you can be understood. Because as uh, someone once said, the key to good communication is to seek to understand, then be understood. I oh, think that um, yes. uh, we can we can really do a great job there by listening mm-hmm. and then speaking to the felt need.
2: That's really the path that uh, I and Hersi Ali went through, wasn't it? Because if I'm if I'm understanding her story because of the experiences of the religion of Islam, Uh, and she left and became atheist and and just turned her back on all faith, all religion, and then found what she was hoping for, what she was looking for in one religion, she found in the relationship with Jesus. There had to be some intense conversations in that transformation, in, in her ability to let go of, of the anger and probably even some hatred toward organized religion of any type, and 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 to embrace the truth and the relationship of Jesus. There had to be some amazing conversations in that.
1: Oh, I, I can't imagine there wouldn't be. I mean, I don't, my own journey took nine years, um, uh, and it wasn't—and I often put it this way. It took me nine years to find the credibility of the gospel to be compelling enough for me to give my life to Christ, not because the answers were hard to find. They weren't hard to find. I found those in about two years. Mm -hmm. I had to wrestle with the consequences, not only the least of which was my identity, for the next seven years. So the answers are not hard to find, but they are hard to accept. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine this a very similar thing was happening. In fact, she says in not only her article on the Unheard uh, uh, website that's gotten hundreds of thousands of reads, but also in an interview she did, where she talked about that, that her identity as a Muslim, she said that pretty easily. And in her words, she said, I, I met the new atheists, Dawkins, Hitchens, Dennett, Harris, and all these guys, and I jumped too soon mm. to the conclusion that if this one religion is bad, they are all therefore mm. bad. She actually admits that. I jumped too soon. And then she says something amazing. She says, as I look at all the things that I grew to love about a secular Secular liberal in the classic sense, not political sense, but in the classic sense, where you could have your own opinions and they won't be forced on you, and mm-hmm. speech is free, and these kind of things. She said, all of those values that I loved so much in a Western classic, classically liberal um, context, all had their roots in Christianity and in no mm-hmm. other place. And then I realized mm-hmm. we're having a cut flower civilization where we are—we think this flower of classically liberal Western ideals is somehow doesn't doesn't need roots and the reality is Christianity are those roots so she went through an existential crisis she admits in the one interview that she had gone through a period of despair in fact turning to alcohol and other things to try to yeah. fill the void and this was this was the part that really got me uh, she said that uh, she was seeing a counselor of some type and that counselor uh, said you know what the issue you have is that you're spiritually bankrupt and mm-hmm. then she realized that's, wow. the, that's the issue. And she said, if you could make up a God, what would he be like? And she Mm. said, I realized I didn't have to make one up. The God I wanted is the God that already exists, the God of the Bible. And Mm. that's amazing because it really fulfills that need. Is that an evidential thing? I think it actually can be because C.S. Lewis argues uh, in his argument from Desire that if we have a legitimate desire like hunger, There is food to satisfy it. If we have a legitimate desire for 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 a thirst, there is water to satisfy that. If we all have a legitimate desire for something higher, for the connection to something transcendent, well, maybe the transcendent exists to fulfill that desire. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's that's essentially what her life is about.
0: Wow, that is so, it's so remarkable how the Holy Spirit worked in this situation, how he continues Mm -hmm. to work in people's life. It's a miraculous thing. That we can, you know, our lives can be be transformed by Jesus and the gospel. And Abdu, on the other end, those that maybe grew up in a Christian home that didn't receive the true gospel, I mean, how mm-hmm. how how do you interact with someone who thinks they know the gospel or thinks they mm-hmm. know what Christianity is, but is has really not grasped the the meaning of the gospel?
1: Yeah, I think this is a common phenomenon now. It's called deconstruction, where people are saying, I've assumed these things to be true. I assumed Jesus is the Son of God. I assumed the Bible is the Word of God. I assumed the cross is historical. I assumed all these things. But maybe I shouldn't have assumed them. Maybe I need to look into them. And so someone would say, deconstruction can be healthy in the sense that they're saying, I don't want to assume it anymore. I don't want to believe it just because I'm supposed to. I want to believe it because it's true. That's good, and that's healthy. Um, uh, But um, as long as it leads to reconstruction. So you can mm-hmm. deconstruct your assumption. Mm. Descartes did this. That's, how it, that's where he got to, uh, I think, therefore I am. Right. The reason why Rene Descartes did that is because he wanted to come to a belief about reality, including God, not based on assumptions, but building on the least amount of assumptions possible. So he says, I know that I exist because I'm thinking about my existence. So that's the baseline. And some folks will be doing that. And that's good. We should encourage that because we don't want to have people have a merely superficial or emotional belief in God. Um, not that those are bad, but they're, they're not enough in one sense, because when mm-hmm. the winds come and the storms blow, it's built on sand. Um, however, sometimes deconstruction can lead to complete destruction, because you've, you've been so cynical, thinking, I've been lied to this whole time, and this whole thing is just a, an opiate of the people, as Marx would have said uh, that, um, just here to numb me from the harsh realities of life. And so they think it's been a sham. I think the way we do this practically is when we listen to when someone has coming out of this thing, I don't know about this stuff anymore. And then ask them very, very straightforward questions. It's what about it do you think is suspect? What about it do you Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense? Uh, or, and and by the way, what are the good alternatives? It's funny thing because Jesus says, this in John chapter six, you know, everyone has seen the evidence. Of Jesus's um, power and his authority. He fed the 5,000. He's healed the sick. They come Mm. to him. But they want bread. They want the parlor trick. They said, you know, give us bread. Give us bread. And he's like, no, you guys want the parlor trick. I'm here for something more. And then they leave. They turn on him and leave, despite having all the evidence. And then Jesus looks at Peter and the disciples and says, are you going to leave too? And Peter's words are so profound. Where else are we going to go you alone yes. have the words of life. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that you go to Christianity by default. What it means is that they've seen the evidence that Jesus is who he said he was, and that then not only does the evidence back up the the oppositional truth that, yes, this is true, but it actually fulfills you spiritually and emotionally as well. So what I would do is ask someone, if they're struggling and their, their face is flagging or hanging by a thread or they left it all together, what about it was so troubling? What are the things you thought you might have missed? How can we fill in that gap um, so that Christianity replaces churchianity, and we can actually say this is an encounter with the living Christ? Where else are you going to go? Because as Ayana Percy Ali pointed out and at the end of the interview, she said, I choose. She doesn't really have the, the mounted evidence yet for God's existence. She's still on the journey. But she did say, Um, Christianity offers me a reason for valuing other people because they are made in God's image. Mm. Atheism tells me that we have no more value than mold. And if we have no more value than mold, what's the point? I think Uh. that's true. Where else are we going to go? She's basically repeating Peter's words without knowing it.
2: Yeah, one of the things I absolutely love is the Holy Spirit calls on us and draws us to the point where we are willing to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. Um, uh, Brene Brown, I think, one time wrote that in order to be truly honest with someone, you have to set down the armor of self-defense, your your defensiveness. You can't be uh, uh, offended, and and you have to be vulnerable. And and we don't do that. I mean, that's not our natural Mm -hmm. setting. So when we set down our defenses and we're willing to be honest about our own uh, thoughts, our own problems that we've got, and and we're honest with God— the Holy Spirit and God is beautiful in the fact that that He's completely truthful and doesn't mm-hmm. offend, doesn't hurt, and heals the the wounds. And I think that is just, for me, that's the most unique aspect of, of our faith, is that God is perfect and is perfect love. And, and mm-hmm. we're safe in setting down our defenses. We're safe in being honest with who we are completely to God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and normally when I'm on the radio, I try to um, promote the books that I've written, but I'd love to recommend uh, a tremendous book that speaks so much to what you just said. That yeah, it's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane mm. Orland, where he talks about God being safe, um, God being the kind of God who judges sin because He cannot not do that because He is holy, but the kind of God who is safe. And what does it mean for God to be for Jesus to reveal His heart, His vulnerability in a sense, yeah. um, in being gentle and lowly. Um, <clears throat> Ayanna Percy Ali's story it mimics mine in so many ways because um, at some point I had to recognize that um, identity and um, uh, the bulwark of being religious and all this was, was more important to me at one point than truth might have been. Um, mm-hmm. And what she has mm-hmm. done twice now, she had a, a vested interest in being communally and in her own individual identity, a Muslim, um, and she had a vested interest in that. When she saw that she shouldn't stay this way, she was brave enough to lay that down and to go into public advocacy. That takes bravery. It also takes tremendous vulnerability. But now I want you to notice something. She has now invested publicly in not only her her advocacy against one religion, but against all religion. And so she's invested publicly in in her best-selling book Infidel and all these things in her atheistic narrative. But she has the vulnerability and the willingness to go where the evidence leads to lay that down again and and disappoint a whole lot of fans um, yeah. and yeah. Uh, come to Christ. My point in sharing that particular thing is you couldn't be more right. That vulnerability, that way that God mm-hmm. gently and, and with his lowliness nudges us to be honest. She yes. was honest. I had to be honest at some point. And it's that moment of honesty when Jesus says, essentially, is that, no you're not enough on your own but i don't require you to be enough on your own i will i will i will fix this i can do this i can do this for you and the holy spirit will guide you in to work out yourself salvation with fear and trembling that takes vulnerability yeah. and you know it's funny because the watchword right now for both millennials and gen z is the word authenticity mm-hmm. we are if we are authentic with ourselves then the mirror of our own shortcomings will highlight the beauty of the authenticity of the author of life and how his, he has no shortcomings and he can fill in our gaps.
0: Amen. Praise God. We're talking with Abdu Murray and he is a founder and president of Embrace the Truth ministry and wanted to find out more information about that organization, how people can get some resources uh, for for this new year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for asking. So you go to our website, embrace the um, you can connect with us monthly. We send out a, 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 um, an equipping letter, uh, one that uh, talks about encounters I've had as I speak at college campuses around the world and other places of secular uh, and non-Christian uh, venues. Um, you can get uh, updated and equipped every month, um, but also see our YouTube videos. Uh, right on our watch tab. We can read articles from my colleague, Garrett Caldwell, which are just in-depth and beautiful articles he's written as well. So go to embracethetruth.org and then you can connect with us on socials and all, all kinds of things. One-stop shopping. <laughs> awesome.
2: Thank you again uh, for being with us this morning. Thank you for sharing these stories and uh, please keep in touch with us. It's a fascinating ministry that you have and these are fascinating stories of people coming to know Jesus.
1: It's an honor, and thank you so much for having me on.
0: Uh, What a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. helping you together.